1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Outpost to Heaven, the podcast. My name is Andrew Jordan. And as always, my beautiful wife is here with us.
0: Hey, guys. It's Emily. And today we're really excited to welcome Rachel Shumway. Um, she is living in China currently, which is super exciting. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but today we really just wanted to talk a little bit about like everything crazy that's going on in the world and the feeling of uncertainty that I feel like most people are kind of feeling like any day something drastic could happen. Um, I mean, we all know because of like COVID and um at least here in the US we have some unrest and some riots and protests and all that kind of stuff. But and
1: fires and hurricanes, fires, yeah, and
0: natural disasters, murder
1: hornets and
0: right. And so <laughs> I imagine things. that yeah. this yeah, I imagine that all this kind of, of stuff is happening. Globally, we're just more aware of what's going on where we're at right. currently in the US. Um, but, Rachel, you're in China right now. So, I mean, are you feeling all of that too? I mean, I, I can imagine there's different stuff going on there.
2: Yeah. So for just me, yeah. I mean, for us over here, like coronavirus is basically not really a thing anymore. There is still a little bit of caution that's being exercised basically with the people that are allowed to come back in. So our borders were closed to any like non-Chinese foreign passport, n- sorry, non-Chinese passport holders for a solid six months. And maybe like three weeks ago, they opened it up so that you could, you know, get a special visa. And if you were a foreign passport holder, actually be able to come back into the country. But for six months, there were no foreigners. That's what we call ourselves in China. Mm-hmm. Like like the foreigners, people that aren't Chinese, um there were no nobody was allowed in and the people that were allowed in like special diplomats like really really high people had to get on a charter flight and go through like two covid tests before they got here have a covid test at the airport wait in a hotel in for quarantine until their test results got back. And then if the test results were, you know, fine and they passed, then you had to do a 14 day quarantine that you paid for out of your own pocket in a hotel. Or if you were really, really lucky at home and you were escorted from the airport hotel to your house and you had people checking in on you every day, like that's the kind of really extreme measures that were taken for people that were coming Mm -hmm. into the country in order to prevent Anything else from being come like from being brought in? So for China, is Shanghai at least? I know that there have been no new cases probably for like the last two months at all, just because people were people wore their masks <laughs> when they first came out. Like mm-hmm. everybody stayed inside and they um they wore their masks and they were very. It, it was a group community effort. Really, is what it felt like to me. Of of this, um, okay, we're just going to fight this. Like the virus doesn't really care who it infects. It just wants to mm-hmm. infect people. So let's stay safe. And then i seeing the, the benefits of what's on the other side of that, which is essential freedom. Like we can't leave the country basically, like if we want to be able to come back at this point, just for visa regulation purposes. But other than that, life is normal. I wear a mask on the Metro. Yeah. But anywhere else, mm-hmm. it's normal. That's
0: awesome. So that gives us a little bit of hope to see that things are normalizing there. And we're starting to see a little bit more of normalization, I mm-hmm. guess. But mm-hmm. it, it still feels pretty far out that it's going to be back to normal. Yeah. Yeah. But we were, yeah, we were actually there in China right with when everything was starting. Mm-hmm. So that was really weird for us. like. First, being in a foreign country like China, and then also with the virus, it was like, where are we? This is crazy. It was like a ghost town. Totally. Yeah, we were there
1: at the end of January, mm-hmm. beginning of February. And you guys
2: came to Shanghai, yeah? Yeah. yeah? yeah.
1: So we were in Beijing, and then we were in Shanghai. Yeah.
2: yeah. I know that feeling. So it's very interesting. It was very th- interesting. At the end of January was nothing, nothing like the real China. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, so before we dive deeper into our topic, we're going to go ahead and do our Pobody's nerfic segment, which is where we share a little funny fail or embarrassing moment just to kind of um, ease any nerves. <laughs> I get nervous. I don't know why. But, um, and then also to kind of just show us that or show you guys, our listeners, that we are really normal people and we fail and we have embarrassing moments just like you. So, Andrew, would you like to start us off?
1: Yes, I would love to go first. So mine... Happened last week. Uh, so, with my um, in our church, I have a we call it a calling. So, it's like a responsibility that I have, like a non paid position where I have to go and uh, be with our ecclesiastical leader. If he has interviews and I, I'm his secretary, so I set all that kind of stuff up for him and I'm there when it's happening. Uh, and he had a meeting, but uh, I didn't have to be in it, I just had to be there. Uh, and so, I brought our newborn who is a month old, um, to the church with me. And I was on my computer and I'm trying to flip the screen all the way back so I can use it as like a a tablet. And as I'm doing that, I'm also holding our son in one arm and I'm trying to fold the screen and the computer slips and smacked Ammon right on the face. Oh, dear. And it wasn't really mm-hmm. hard, but it was enough to, like, wake him up. And he, he looked at me like,
2: how, um,
1: dear how dare you? Because no. he hasn't had that many experiences with pain at this point. Right.
0: I mean, besides, like, circumcision. but
1: Right. right. <laughs> but, like, he hasn't really had that much exposure to it. Right. Most of his life is, like, sitting in, like, a plush, comfy swing or being held by one of us or eating. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he doesn't have that many negative things. And then all of a sudden, I just smacked him in the face with my <laughs> computer. Yeah, such a sad so, face. Oh. So if you are out there and you have smacked your child on accident,
0: yeah, Ruth I'm, kicked him in I'm the there face the you. other day. Oh
1: yeah, she did.
0: Yeah. She's, well, he's the third kid. He's gonna have to toughen she's, up.
1: She's Ruth <laughs> is kind of ruthless.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so Rachel. Do you have an embarrassing moment? Do you have a poverty's Nerfed?
2: Pobody's nerfect. Yeah. Okay. So this is a little bit embarrassing and I'm not easily embarrassed. I kind of enjoy that feeling. So I don't like I was trying to think of a, a time that I was recently embarrassed, but the other day I was, um, I just joined a CrossFit gym and the people before me were having their class. And I was like in a little room where there's a stretching area and I was right like in front of the door, which I thought only turned one way, but I guess it like turns both ways. And so I was doing like some uh, yoga stuff on the floor and I was in my downward dog and I was like stretching my like really feeling. And then all of a sudden someone comes in from the main room and they open the door and my fingers, which are on the ground, um, which are like pushing (gasps) into the ground, the door opens on my pinky finger and um it kind of gets stuck. And oh. so the guy like keeps pushing to like open the door. And I'm like, no, stop. Ah. Like, hing, hing, hing. like Like, <laughs> do not open the door anymore. And he like peeks his, his um, head around. And I'm very calm at this point, actually. Like, I'm just kind of looking with curiosity, like there's my finger on the floor and there's a doorstep on top of it. I think I should probably try and get my finger out so let's push the door closed and see what happens. Like, this is the narration that's going on in my mind. And then, <laughs> what, what event? of course, we get the door off and the, the, the top layer of my pinky finger has been scraped off. And I just kind of hold it up and I look at it. It's bleeding. Not crazy heavily, but I just, I just look at it. I'm kind of like, huh. And then I start laughing hysterically, because I think I'm going into shock at this point. And so I like stand up and I go from like, oh, what's going on with my finger to like <laughs> like like laughing like a crazy person. And then I walk through the class to like get to the first aid station, and like five people come, and all of these like big, strong guys are trying to help me with my finger, which it's not even a big deal, but that was, um. It was embarrassing because I couldn't stop laughing, and I was thinking, like, what do people think of me? Like, my finger is bleeding, and I'm <laughs> laughing like like a crazy person. So, there we go. That's so funny.
1: Was this a CrossFit gym mostly for foreigners or a lot of locals?
2: Um, it's a good mixture, but this particular class, the one that was before me, had more uh, more Chinese people in it. And so they were all like giving medical advice to me. And I just told them like, just give me a bandaid. It's going to be fine. But
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fine. <funny. laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome. Okay.
0: So Rachel, you are in China as we have talked about. Why are you there?
2: Well, my first introduction to China was in 2013. Um, I came here with my husband at the time to kind of study and I was doing online classes at BYU at that time. And so i would I really just kind of fell in love with China at that time, even though um it was a little bit difficult and I came back to the states and it came to a point uh two years ago three years ago that it became clear that I really needed to start a new life for myself and start afresh kind of leave my previous life and and the marriage behind and so I just decided, you know what I'm gonna go back to China like what a better place to rebuild yourself than in a place where you don't know anybody, nobody knows you you actually you, you have nothing except yourself to lean on. Um, and so, so, brave. yeah, for me, it seemed like kind of the only option. I didn't want to have any mm-hmm. security blankets or, um, ideas did or you anything.
1: speak Mandarin at this
2: point? No, nothing. Yeah. So I just decided <laughs> I'm just going to go there and I'm going to figure it out. Like whatever happens, it's, it's going to be easier than whatever I was doing before. So I'm just, I'm just going to go and figure it out. It'll be fun. So I did. I moved to China and it's been great fun along the way. I have learned a little bit of Mandarin yeah. um, the first year yeah. I learned a lot. And then it kind of was just like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to learn Chinese anymore. It's so difficult. So I just focused more on like yeah. work and building relationships. And it's been really good. So what do you do for work there? So I work part time actually at a kindergarten. I work with two years old. Um, And then I'm a life coach on the side. That's kind of my full-time gig. So I help people with their time management, with their relationships, with communication. I work a lot with women that want to lose weight as well and are struggling to like work in their relational challenges with that. So those are kind of my three areas of relationships, communication, and nutrition and food.
1: And are you, are you mostly working with expats or with, with natives? (laughs)
2: So I have some like Singaporean Taiwanese clients. Um, mainland China is a little bit different, just like kind of the mindset and the marketing strategy is very, very different from the West. So for the most part, I, I do mm-hmm. I do the foreigners. Interesting.
0: Um, so something that you have talked to us a little bit about was your calling. you said that you found your calling. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what that is and how you came to understand it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So my calling, I think in short is to help people say, you know what, screw the odds. Like if it's too difficult, who cares? Like I'm going to try because this is something that I want to do. And it feel, I feel like it's going to make the world a better place. I feel like my calling is to be in a position where I can help people to figure out how to get to that place and to just go and do the thing that they want to do to make their life, to create, to, to bring joy and peace and, and all of the things in their own unique way. Because I think there were so many times growing up that I would notice teachers give special attention to some kids who had um, like really loud and pronounced strengths. Very easy to see, very easy to praise. And those strengths, when they were praised, they grew. And so the people that in the very, very beginning, we're talking like kindergarten, and it um, it goes back even further, I'm sure with your parents, but in school, when your teachers give you attention, then you are given opportunities to be mentored and challenged and grown. And then if you aren't fortunate enough to have somebody that notices your unique strengths, which if you're a little bit quieter, if you um, show your strengths in in a way that's not as traditional, then you're not going to have that same opportunity to develop that and, and fulfill quote unquote, your potential in life. And so I just think that how sad it is that there are so many people, even as adults that don't even know what they are good at, that aren't sure who they are because they've never had anybody really see who they are. So like, it's kind of this two sided thing of helping people to know who they are so that they can be that person for themselves And then also like hold the space for all the imperfections and the things that are scary and yucky that go along the way, but just like guide people through their journey so that it can be, you can grow and be empowered. That's, that's all of it. (laughs) I feel like I was just talking a lot. I
1: know. I I really like the, um, the fact that you, you're, calling is pretty much, you know, more or less, i kind of put words in your mouth is to help other people find their calling or kind of find their potential. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what, what, what you mean when you say find your calling? Cause I think some people might understand that differently. So what, what do you mean specifically? So we talked about like what you feel like your calling is, but what, what does that idea of finding your calling look like?
2: So for me, it's been a process of just always having this question in my mind of like, God, what do you want me to do here like i have a, I have a life, I have time, I have a personality. What do you want me to do with it and i I define that as my calling mm-hmm. as this process of co creation of this is what I want to do, and then also God, like you see so much more than I see. what can we make together mm-hmm. to create something, whatever that is if it 's a career? if it's a vocation, if it's, if it's just one specific thing that I pursue to help the people around me, that's what I see as my calling. And in my case, my calling also happens to be my job and my career. And for others, it may be something more along the lines of their hobby or a creative pursuit or a family role or something like that, but something where you feel where you and God and Everybody else around you are kind of connected on this one plane, so that you're using the time that you've been given on this earth to bring the most good and to serve others in the way that you want to and that God wants to, all in one. Yeah, I
1: love that. I love that a
0: lot. Yeah, I love that. Like the that your calling is, no matter what it is, it's to be it in it with
1: God. Right. So, Rachel, how do you help individuals? get from wherever they're at to that point where they're realizing this, this calling or this potential.
2: So the really interesting thing about my work is that I help to uncover what people already really want. So if you, um, if you think about somebody that um, wants to have like a career in a big corporation, they'll tell me all of the reasons why they think it's impossible for them to do it. It's too hard. There's societal pressure, women in the workplace, Um, time management, there's pressure to conform, there's pressure to be different. And so they tell me all of those things. And then we can look at them one by one and figure out a strategy for how to overcome that. So say one of those things is, okay, I want to work in like this big, this big corporation, but I think that they're not going to want a woman to work there. That's something that's, um, that's really common with the people that I work with. So we look at, okay, why do you think that a woman can't do that. And we find evidence. We'll look at all of the women that have done it. Getting the person to come to a place that, okay, women, maybe women can be in high leadership positions. If other women can do it, maybe I can too. I think that I could because I'm really good at this, 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 and this. And building all of those ideas to really change the idea in, this, in, my, in the client's head of, okay, I could, it's like, maybe it's possible. And then if you think it's possible, what are you going to do? You're going to feel a lot more hopeful, a lot more powerful. So you're actually going to go and do the thing to create what it is that you want. So the great thing about my work is that I don't have to know how people are going to, going to figure out their strengths because all of the reasons they think they can't do it are, if you flip them over upside down, they can become the reasons why they did do it, does that make sense?
1: right, yeah, like mm-hmm. the inverse of their worries is actually the exactly the reason why they can or why they will, or it is like indicative of what their their hopes are, what their calling is. I think I like that a lot I think probably one of my big takeaways like this this idea that if you're wondering like what your calling is, you probably already realize it to some degree or another because it's probably, especially if you're, you're maybe a little bit older like. Like, if you're 14, you might not understand what you're right. calling at this point because you're not as formed of a person. But when you're a little bit older, have a little bit more experience, and you kind of generally find yourself being pulled in one direction and you have a desire to be engaged in some activity, whatever it is, uh, that is an indication that's what you really want to do. And that's what you're calling. Totally. Is.
2: And whether you're pulled or whether you are just terrified, <laughs> our emotions. Uh, yeah. Our emotions and our thoughts around those emotions, because our feelings are, they are our calling upwards. And I just think it's, it's so wonderful.
1: That's awesome.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. Um, that's so interesting, too, that you work with so many people that have so many uncertainties. Mm-hmm and that is kind of like what we wanted to talk about with you today um something that you mentioned to us was that times have always been uncertain um and right now the whole world can admit that we are all kind of kind of globally in this time generally of uncertainty but we each one of us individual individually has things in their own lives that we're not sure about what direction do we need to go where what do we need to be doing for work? How can we better our family? We don't have a plan all the time for all the things. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about that phrase, times have always been uncertain, and why do you think so?
2: Yeah, I mean, right now, it's, it's coronavirus, it's the election, it's, you know, all of these things are certain, what's going to happen, like job uncertainty, but I like to think about it in this way of if, if somebody came from Mars and they looked at the way that our world is right now. They would think that it's totally normal they would be like what this isn't normal i don't understand like what is normal how do you define that and so we're always talking about okay well things are uncertain because of this but we are actually in reality we're not really all that much more likely to die today than we were in 2019 or in 2021 like that threat Is basically the same, but our thoughts and our minds around it are so much more hyper attuned to it because of all of the media messages of all of, you know, people are talking about these issues more. So we are more attuned to it, but there's no way that we're going to be able to like in advance plan around all of the things that could happen. Like there's just no, and so when we're focused on, okay, things are so uncertain right now. And that's the reason why I can't do this 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 and this. I'm just going to I'm going to wait to lose the weight until coronavirus is over. I can get out of quarantine. I can go back to the gym. I'm just going to wait. Versus this idea of like you know, I could figure out how to make it work here. Like this is something that I want to do and what an incredible challenge, like beautiful gift I could use this as. What can I learn from this to take it and like come out on the other side so that when covid is gone, it's like wow, look at who I became in the process. Because whatever... Yes, mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, because whatever challenges we are presented with, <laughs> there's always going to be stuff. So do we want to be certain in our ability to navigate uncertainty? Or do we want to be focused on try- and trying to change and trying to control the world so that we can feel more certain inside? Which one is going to be a better use of our time? Right.
1: Well, and I think... the. And the thing is, uncertainty is, is such an abstract thing, mm-hmm. right? So there's always some degree of unknown. I mean, that's what living is, right? Living is taking from all of the you know, infinite possibilities of how your day could go or the choices you could make throughout that day and then saying, okay, I'm going to make this choice and then this next choice and then this next choice. And so there's always an infinite number of things that could happen. Right, and so uncertainty is the probably one of the few common things across time. Right, yeah, <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and so if we if we allow uh, a certain degree, if we allow things to say or allow certain situations to convince us that oh, this level of uncertainty is higher than any other moment or any other day, uh, then that's just going to be a crutch, and we're yeah. going to keep turning back to it. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like even if you can say that systemically our system might be more uncertain now than it was in 2019 or 2018, which I think you can make an argument for that. And I think the data supports that, that the systemically our system isn't as stable as it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, from an individual perspective, the the amount of uncertainty is probably pretty close to the same, right? Cause there's always uh, a lot of randomness that of a randomness present in our lives at any given time. Mm-hmm. And so if we just always approach uncertainty as this is just kind of, it's it's always here, but I'm going to move forward anyway.
0: Right. And I really like what you said, Rachel, about how growth um, stems from uncertainty, or I guess like how we react to mm-hmm. uncertain times. Um, we can grow from it. And I was reading this speech by Uh, I think it was Brucey Hafen, and we'll link it in the show notes, but it's called Dealing with Uncertainty, and he talked a lot about how it could be a really great thing to be filled with uncertainty because, I mean, if you use it correctly, that's the way you're going to grow, and if you use it with God, you're going to grow, and something that I learned too, I'll just like combine these thoughts, but I learned this on my mission is that... um, there's no learning in the comfort zone and no comfort in the learning zone. So like when you're uncomfortable, when you're not sure, like that's when you're going to learn if you allow yourself to. Right.
1: Well, and and I'm going to bring this down way low to my level. So I'm thinking about Legos here. (laughs) So (laughs) if you have like a set of Legos and you have like specific instructions, Mm -hmm. um, you can do the thing that's very, it's expected. uh, And you can build the, whatever the Lego construction is like, whether it's like a Death Star or like a TIE fighter, I'm keeping of Star Wars Legos <laughs> for some reason, but you can build what the plans call for, mm-hmm. but you, you know exactly what's going to happen. And that's the end of the possibilities. Right. But as soon as you say, I'm not going to necessarily follow this plan that has been given me and you start putting things together in different, in different ways, you can get an unlimited oh. number of outcomes. And that only happens when you depart from the prescribed instruction manual, yeah. and you say, "I'm just going to take this and and enter into the realm of uncertainty." Because it's in the realm of uncertainty that we can develop new possibilities. I
2: like and, that and, and jumping off My of goodness. that Lego analogy, if you build the Grand Master Lego castle by the manual, you will have gained in the process a certain amount of skills, whether it be the ability to copy paste and like build up a tower and follow the instruction manual. you understand how the blocks are put together. you understand like a very basic thing, and then, like your brother or your sister comes down and, you, and they knock the castle over, and so you're like, okay, whatever i'm there's some uncertainty here, whatever, and they also rip up the manual so you have what do you have to go off your own vision of what's possible? You could build a castle or you could create some something new, but you've already learned some things that you can take and then it becomes an opportunity for you to create something new, something totally unique. And it might not look like the grandmaster castle and you, you probably aren't even going to know what it's actually going to look like until you're like three quarters of the way done because you're just kind of building as you go. But how cool is it and how much more strong of a knowledge of Legos or whatever area of your life are you going to have? if you're kind of forced to go out on a limb a little bit and figure it out piece by piece by piece, plan a couple steps ahead to see, okay, does this work? Nope. That's not going to work. All right. Let's do this other thing in the process. And if you're able to do that from a place of fun and curiosity and questions, which is one of the things that I think uncertainty is so good at is like, okay, I have no idea what's going on. So let me ask it. Like it opens your mind up to, Learning new things and then asking God, asking yourself, you're just asking the questions so that you can receive answers outside of what you already know. You could, you could very well go on to create like the Master Master Castle. The
1: Master Master <laughs> Castle. I, I really like this. And so, one question that I want to ask you because it's something that I personally uh, deal with in this kind of cyclical struggle. Struggle. Um, I really love the idea of uh so there's this idea in in russian literature especially by dostoevsky and that there's in russian literature in general of like the holy fool Mm -hmm. and so you have to become the a fool and be willing to make a fool of yourself in order to reach real real pinnacles of, Mm -hmm. of progress whether it's spiritual or mm-hmm. whatever it is, and so you, you have to be willing to be a fool. And by that, I think one way of interpreting that uh, is um, you have to be willing to make those mistakes, like you were talking about, I kind you of approach it from like a, a good perspective, like oh, like I'm it's, I'm failing, but I'm not really failing. I'm just kind of figuring it's it out kind of right? So I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm right, and and the I will have moments where I'm I'm fully a hundred percent on board with the idea, not just intellectually and, but emotionally. Uh, and then I'll have moments where I'm failing consistently and sometimes extravagantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm on board with the idea of being the fool and being willing to make mistakes and learn intellectually, but my emotions aren't in it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, 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 I get down, uh, despite the fact that I'm intellectually uh, committed to this and I understand why it's great and why it's the only, in my opinion, it's the only real way to success. Uh, but emotionally I'm like, I'm done. Like I'm done failing. This kind of sucks. Like I'm ready to just kind of be good and not have to deal with failing. What would you say to me or to someone like me in, in that kind of situation?
2: Where you're, where you're kind of in this place of frustration with the failure
1: yeah. So like intellectually, I get it. Like I know that failure is good and failure is what's going to help me. It's just part of the growing process. And mm-hmm. so like, I'm on board with that idea, but emotionally, I'm not there emotionally in that moment. I'm really struggling with, with the failure.
2: Yeah. So I think the, the biggest question would, would be to ask why is the failure a problem right now? Um, is it because at the end of the day, What's the worst thing about failure? It's the feeling of judgment that comes when we tell ourselves that we failed, that we should have done something different and that we're resisting the reality of wherever we are. Like, like failure, let's say you fall off a bike five times, you could have the thought of like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to learn this. This is the worst thing ever. I give up. Or you could be like, oh, five times, like I'm, I'm getting closer. You know, it's, it's the same circumstance. So it's really kind of taking a look at what's your perspective of yourself because you haven't reached where you want to get to yet. Are you judging yourself? Are you telling yourself, Oh, it's too hard. I can't do this. The struggle is not going to be worth it. Or is it just like, you know what? This is really hard right now because the reality of it is, I think at the end of the day, we all are okay with doing hard things, but in that's in like the grand scheme of things. So taking it back from a macro overall view of like failure is good to, okay, in this specific circumstance right now, why is it okay that I've fallen off five times? Why does it make sense? What are some things that I've learned and what do I want to learn from there? And then you just, you just kind of get back up and you keep going and be willing to have it not be fun all the time at the sa- at the same time cuz like the more that we fight the difficult things the more difficult they become so it's kind of like loosening up oh, on yourself yeah. loosening up on the this idea that things should be easier for you cuz the reality is like they probably shouldn't be easier for you life is supposed mm-hmm. to be hard half the time <laughs> life is supposed to be good and bad it's this opposition in all things and so okay this is the season for opposition and there's going to be another season later on for what's the opposite of opposition for, for, for the good, happy (laughs) flowy time.
1: For the time when you can enjoy the fruits you gain during opposition. I can't even
0: think of a word either.
1: (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, well, I'm very glad that we have had you on because I feel like I got a free Coaching session because that was something I actually we've been, been thinking about. So that's that's awesome. I think I, yeah. <laughs> I struggle with that personally. For all the people out there, if you also are like me, I struggle with this personally uh, because I think I'm I'm more of an analytical person mm-hmm. and less mm. emotional um, in my operation of everything, I guess. But I, uh, I think I have a hard time when my when I have emotions that I don't think are intellectually valid. And I don't know how to deal with those very well. Um, because for lots of different reasons, but I think that's, that's something really important to remember that I have to be okay with like saying, this is going to be like, it's okay that this is hard, right? Like it's okay Mm to to, like still intellectually be behind the idea of failure. Uh, but admit that this is difficult in the moment. And I need to remember that.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point. So Rachel, something that you've said in the past is that we might be better equipped now to cope with uncertainty than we've been before. Um, why do you think that is? And do you have any tools, or I guess, are there tools that we have now that can help us with that?
2: Yeah, so I mean, if, if you look at the past, how many, ever, how many years the world has been around, half of the time, there's always been uncertainty. And there's always been negative things and there's always been positive things. And, you know, 10,000 years ago, it was the negative things where you might get eaten by a tiger and the good things were that you got to like lay around on a rock all day, spend time with your friends. Right. Yeah. And, and, these and these days, our challenges are just different, but I think that as a society, there are more resources out there. There are mm-hmm. coaches and therapists and books and, um, all kinds of informational resources that we can learn about the human mind and how our society works. Those are some like really, really basic tools. And then also like, I think the biggest gift that we've been given from a church perspective right now is really this, what is it? Home-centered church supported learning system, which in my view is just God saying, all right, it's time for you to take your testimony into your own hands. I'm giving you yes. mm-hmm. the responsibility to make your relationship with me yours. And, and even, that, it,
0: even that, even mm-hmm. that feels so uncertain because you're like, okay, can I do this? Do I have the confidence? Uh, what do I do? But then that uncertainty, you're able to figure out how you need to, on your own, develop your own testimony. And I love that.
1: Yeah. and I, I yeah. love the idea that there's, there's an increase not just in spiritual tools or spiritual um, things we can do to to face uncertainty, but also scientific. I mean, there's so many advances mm-hmm. in our understanding of how the mind works. I mean, you look at um, historically you know, things that were treatable diseases or treatable issues that we understand now were treated as, like, these kind of supernatural or these terrible things that were like kind of the end of your life or they weren't addressed at all um mm-hmm. it's, it's like you look at the records of i just finished listening to a podcast about it was a kind of a weird podcast with like european uh execution rights wow that's really yeah random. <laughs> but uh, the the main reason that women were executed in medieval europe was because of postpartum depression um that they understand that to be the case now uh because they would they were it wasn't like they were just like killing them because they were sad it was like they would have postpartum depression and then that would lead them to like to harm their children or do those things like that because of the postpartum depression, but there was no understanding of postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. they were just kind of left to their own devices. And that led to negative outcomes where now we have an understanding of it. And so we're able to kind of, you know, nip it in the bud before terrible things happen. And that's not always the case, but just that that's an example of how scientifically we've come a long way to be able to understand a lot of these things a little better.
2: Yeah. And just understanding that like, okay, this, this woman is something's wrong with her arm. You change brain for arm and all of a sudden it makes so much sense. Like Mm -hmm. instead of becoming angry and like punishing her for this, like let's look at, okay, what's really going on here. She doing this intentionally, or is there something wrong with a part of her body that just needs like, just needs a little bandaid and then we'll figure it out. Not that postpartum depression is like a small thing by any means, But, um, knowing that there are mental illnesses that have certain thought patterns that create certain patterns of emotion and then therefore certain patterns of behavior is so huge because all of a sudden, like, okay, this person isn't, isn't a one-off case. Like there's something really, really, really going on here. And one of the things that I work with, with my clients is, is starting to, understand their own, like, thought habits. So, our thoughts are the things that cause our feelings, and then those are what cause, causes our actions. So, that's why I think the scripture talks about watch your thoughts and your mm-hmm. words and your deeds, because, like, before you ever, ever, ever do something, you always are going to have a thought about it before. Yeah. Um, and so, if you're able to kind of manage thought, manage your minds, understand what you're thinking that is causing you to have quote unquote problematic emotions or really just emotions that are taking you to do things that you don't want to do, the more that you're aware of that and you can kind of get ahead of the curve, that's where your power is really going to come in because all of a sudden then it's like you are directing your ship a little bit more instead of letting your by nature negative brain drag you into this place of by nature more negative and sometimes unproductive emotions. Um, so learning to like manage your mind and your feelings around that. That's so huge in today's modern world.
1: Right. And, and if, you know, if you're aware of those things and you're aware of the potential danger, you can kind of recognize problems before they get out of, Mm -hmm. get out of hand. It's like, if you have like a little cut, right. It's like a little cut in and of itself. It's not that big of a deal, but if you have the cut, it can turn into an infection, which can lead to the loss of limb or the loss of life or, Long-lasting uh, health problems, but if you say, "Oh, I have a little cut here," that's a problem. It's not the end of the world, but I'm going to put some neosporin and a bandaid on it. That could, you know, save you all of those all the pain from the develop the development of that uh,
2: exactly that problem, and it just takes care of it right then and there. And going back to also what you were talking about before, Andrew, with like the failure, it's like when you have a little cut, it's not like, "Oh my gosh, there's a cut." I I I did I must have done something wrong. What did I do wrong that made me have this cut? It's like, no, that's not useful. Like, take care of the cut first. Mm-hmm. And then once that's kind of taken care of, then you can go go and look at, okay, what happened? I got my finger stuck in the door. Okay, noted. Don't do that again next <laughs> time. No, move forward. <laughs> that
1: is bad.
2: <laughs> yeah. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from it. And then just, like, let it go on the walk. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So one more question that I have before we wrap up, Rachel, is um what would you say to someone who is really struggling this year, and this year especially because I feel like there's just an abundance of uncertainty. Um but what would you say to the person that is really truly like mentally paralyzed by this uncertainty? Um feeling just unproductive, unmotivated to move forward?
2: There's hope and mm-hmm. there's hope i mean there's evidence in the past that there's hope but even more than that is like we don't we we've never known what's going to happen in the world so whatever it is that you are uncertain about know that that imagine that that was never going to change whatever uncertainty that you are afraid of happening like let's just say That I told you that circumstance never changed, but 10 years from now, we fast forwarded it and you had figured it out. Go to that place. Go to that place of five years from now, 10 years from now of being the person that's figured out exactly how to overcome this challenge. Who is he or she? What do they think about themselves? How do they feel about themselves? What did they do? What like? What do they believe about themselves? What do they become in the process? And then ask them for advice. Ask them what they okay. need to stop. What you need to stop doing. What you what you start doing. Because I I truly believe that we all we all have all of the answers inside of us. We just have to ask. But we have to ask yeah, not from the place like, of what have I done in the past that's worked? Because whatever happened in the past worked for a circumstance in the past, and. Mm-hmm whatever you did in the past is what got you the life that you have right now, which in many, many, many ways is a good and beautiful thing, but we're human. So of course it's not always going to be perfect. If you want to create a different reality for yourself, you have to do different things, but that guide, that person, that highest self, that light of Christ, whatever you call it, we've been given that and we just have to give it an opportunity to, to speak.
1: Yeah, yeah I I love yeah. that. Sorry, Can jinx. I I really like that because I I think the thing that has brought me the most peace consistently the most hope is the savior. Right? It's mm-hmm. like I don't know what's going to go happen in all these different areas, but I know that while solutions that have worked for me today are not going to work for me tomorrow, and they didn't work for me in the past, and and uh, but the savior is a constant, right? So Mm -hmm. he's not a constant in the fact that he always interacts with me in the exact same way, um, or that he always helps me solve my problems in the same way, or that he wants me to do the same thing every day. Uh, but he's a constant that I can always turn back to, Mm -hmm. right? So he's the fact that he's there is always going to be true. The fact that he loves me is always going to be true. Uh, and then you take that. that Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep, and so you have that certainty of the Savior, uh, and then you take the divinity that He's given all of us, and then you go through the process, knowing that if God loved me enough to give me life and give me everything that I I have, uh, He meant for me to figure this out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or at least, even if He didn't mean me to f- mean me to figure it out, uh, because I think figuring it out might have a connotation that. Doesn't really match reality all the time, but he meant for me to not be halted in my tracks in uncertainty. Like he always meant for me to move forward.
2: Yeah, yeah. And, and I there's
1: think another comforting ways. thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. You had you had Rachel. I was going to say there's a million ways to move forward. Like there's no one right way, and that's the beautiful thing. The way the way back to God has so many different areas. And so if we're, if we're so paralyzed and, okay, what's the right way? What's the right next step? It's almost just like, okay, no, like just do the next, the next right thing, whatever that Frozen song is. I love that. Like, yes. <laughs> you don't have to right. see the end. You don't have to. Like, and if you right. did, it would probably be super overwhelming. So just like take that expectation off and do the next best thing. And then once you get there, you can do it again.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I love that song. I was, like, crying when I saw that Me movie too. and heard that yeah. song. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> that was
1: very <laughs> yeah. this th- I think, like, <laughs> like, philosophically, that was the best song of the movie. It was the, so
2: yeah. Philosophically, yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Rachel. We really enjoyed having you on, and yes, we really appreciate so all the, the things that you have to say. And thank you for inspiring us, to to be more confident in uncertainty. Yeah.
1: I'm definitely going to apply things we've talked about. I think this is something that Emily and I have been talking about recently. Oh yeah. A lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> this has been it's a
0: very good. timely episode cool. for us. Good. And it was like a little, little coaching session too. Yeah. For us, so. Co- co- for us personally.
1: <laughs> so yeah. Thank you so much for, for, for spending your time with us. Where can our listeners find you?
2: So I am over on YouTube and Facebook reconnect with Rachel. That's my channel name. Um, and also my website. If you go to rachelshumway.com, you'll be able to find all of my blogs and information, freebies, eBooks and stuff like that over there. So mm-hmm. awesome. Perfect.
1: Awesome. Well, we will link all that in the show notes.
2: Yes, we will. It was so good to talk with you guys from all the way across Thank the you. world. <laughs> yeah. It's been crazy.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Cause we've had, Calls with people like in the same state that were like just as clear as this one, mm-hmm. and this one is across, like literally on the other side of the world. So that's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. a lot of a lot of blessings. We're talking about how we're better able to cope with uncertainty now than ever before. I think this is one of those one of those ways.
2: Podcast mm-hmm. uh, so, is one of those ways. Mm. <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> so for all of our listeners, we love you so much. Please uh, leave us a rating subscribe all those good things
0: and if you feel like you have a friend that might need to hear this message please share it with them
1: yeah and And jump over on rachel's channel and and watch some some more of her videos i'm i'm sure that if you if you've liked what you've heard uh there's going to be way more of those that kind of great uplifting content on her channel Mm
2: -hmm.
1: all right guys keep, keep the faith
2: bye keep the faith bye guys